This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ian Menkini. I am Suffolk University Law School's Director of Electronic Marketing and Enrollment Management. I'd like to thank you for joining us today and welcome to the final webcast of the year for prospective students. Our series has come to a close with 14, so thank you all for tuning in. And I'm lucky today to be joined by Associate Dean Christopher Gibson. So Dean Gibson, welcome. Thank you very much. Dean Gibson's going to be talking about the international law opportunities that we offer here at Suffolk University Law School. But before we do begin talking about Suffolk, I was wondering if Dean Gibson, if you would be able to introduce yourself and your bio to our listeners. Sure. It's great to be here today, and I'm glad to see you all joined. I teach a number of the courses here in the international law area, but I come to Suffolk with a lot of experience in international law. I've twice worked for the United Nations. Both times I was posted in Geneva, Switzerland. I worked for the United Nations Compensation Commission, which is part of the UN Security Council. I also worked after another few years for the World Intellectual Property Organization, which is in the field of intellectual property, obviously, and that's also located in Geneva and is part of the UN. It's funny, I got my start in the world of international law as a law student many years ago, working with a professor who recommended me for a position after graduation in the Netherlands, in The Hague, at the Iran-U.S. Claims Tribunal. So one of my first jobs was as a legal assistant at this specialized tribunal in the Netherlands, and it was from that starting point, along with some coursework and focus while I was in law school, that led to a career that has allowed me to move over the years into different positions focusing on international law. Before I joined Suffolk here as a professor, my last position was as a partner in a law firm in London. It was a U.S. law firm. I was in their London office. I helped them found that. So I've had a nice balance of both public, international, and private international law experience. And I'd love to you know, share that with any of you if you decide to come to Suffolk. But one thing you'll see is that the opportunities really require a proactive approach, but that's something that I've worked with a number of students on as I've been here for the last 10 years. Well, thank you, Dean Gibson, for introducing yourself to our listeners and our viewers. So to begin, I was wondering if we could really begin by talking about some of the courses that Suffolk offers in international law. Yeah, one of the things, we have a very strong international law program, and I'm going to give you a few of the details today, but let's start with what we call our international law concentration. You can see this on Suffolk's website. It's easy to Google, and you'll see that we allow students to concentrate in international law and graduate with a degree and a certificate. So you get your JD degree, but you also get a certificate from the international law concentration. In order to do that, then while you're doing your general coursework, you also have this opportunity to focus on international law courses. And the type of courses we offer, we have a very popular international law course. That's our first fundamental course. It's simply called International Law, and it focuses on the traditional public international law concepts, understanding the relationship between states, the nature of international law, customary international law, treaty law, all of that. And in addition, then, you would be taking, there's usually two other courses that are part of that core set of three courses in our international law concentration. A course like International Business Transactions, which I love and which I teach. And we obviously live in a world that's increasingly global. 
the economies have gone global, and so as students think about working in the commercial sphere, or even for government agencies or NGOs, there are so many transactions that occur, and all of the lawyers work on those, that are international in scope. So of course, like international business transactions, focuses more on the private international law side. And then there's an international trade course, which is another course that I teach, and there are a couple of my colleagues that also teach it. International trade law is really international economic law. The trading relationship between states and the so-called WTO, or World Trade Organization system. So those are the three core courses that you would take if you were in the international law concentration. But then we have an extensive list of electives, things, anything from admiralty law, comparative law, international intellectual property law. We have courses in international arbitration, global science and technology transfer. I brought the list with me because it's so extensive. International legal practice, international and comparative legal research, immigration law, international environmental law, and of course international human rights, which is something that a lot of our students love to focus on these days. So, and that's just a sampling of the extensive list of courses. Suffolk has a very large faculty and has a significant number of faculty members that focus on international law topics. We also have the benefit, being right in the middle of Boston, of having an extensive adjunct faculty. Those are practitioners who work either in private practice or in the government or other offices, and they come in and often teach a course for us, and a number of them focus on international law topics. So we have an extensive set of courses, opportunities to write papers, and this is all part of that international law concentration that I mentioned, which is one of the fundamental features of our international law programming here at Suffolk Law. And also, too, we have an extensive internship selection for students. And can you talk about the international internship sure. programs that we offer? Yeah. One of the things that we think is really important and that we're working very hard on here at the law school these days, and in my role as an associate dean, it's something that's very close to my heart and that I'm spending a lot of time on, is our internship programs. And we have an extensive international internship program. We place usually between 30 to 35 students every year in international internships. And we do that in a number of different ways. One feature of the program is we have a unique special relationship with the Center for International Legal Studies, which is located in Salzburg, Austria. And we work with them and their extensive relationship with law firms around the world to place students in law firms. And those law firms, as I said, truly are in Asia, they're in Europe, they're in Latin America, they could be in Africa, they could be in all different parts of Asia. So depending on the student's language abilities, depending on the student's interests, depending on the area of law, we try to match students with law firms around the world working with the Center for International Legal Studies, which has that extensive network. But in addition, we are increasingly placing students in NGOs, in non-governmental organizations or non-profit organizations that's becoming an increasingly important part of our program. So we have students who have been working in South Africa with an Access to Justice Institute. We have had students that have gone to places like Uganda. We have students that are working, have worked with the Wallenberg Institute in Sweden. And we have, for the last, I'd say, six years, placed every year two students with the ICTY, which is the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia, in The Hague. So. What's nice about the international internship programming is there's private types of placements and then there's the public types of placements for students that are more interested in public international law. And we understand this, how important this is, because 
today, when students are thinking about coming to law school, they really want to get some experience even while they're still students. And so these experiential opportunities, internships, and of course our clinical programs are an important part too. We have an immigration law clinic which focuses on international law topics in the area of immigration. All of these are really important pieces. So as you think about going to law school, you know, part of what you're doing is taking courses and learning and obtaining new knowledge, but the other aspect is trying to take advantage of some of these internship or experiential learning opportunities so that you can test what you think you'd like to do and also gain experience, which will, of course, help when you're talking to future potential employers. And also, in addition to the International Internship Program, there's a very unique program that we have with the University of Lund in Sweden. Yeah, another element that is unique to Suffolk is we have a special relationship with Lund University in Sweden. Lund is located in a beautiful university town in the south of Sweden. It's actually very close to Copenhagen. It's as if you could take a train from a city to a suburb, 40 minutes, to go from Lund down to Copenhagen, which is a beautiful city on the water. But Lund in and of itself is a wonderful city with cobblestone streets and a nice center, and Lund is one of the oldest and largest universities in Sweden, and we have a relationship with their law faculty. This allows us to do a number of things. We run a summer program in Lund every year, and we send between 40 and 45 of our students to Lund for three weeks to study. And they join about 15 Swedish students, so there's a nice mix. And they take courses, all of the courses offered there focus on different elements of international law. So international comparative law, international human rights, different types of international law focused on constitutional rights. I've taught my international business transactions course during that Lund program a couple of years ago. So it's a wonderful experience. It's an opportunity to do some learning while in Europe. Some of our students are actually combining the Lund summer program with an internship in Europe so that they spend most of their entire summer over in Europe. The other opportunities with Lund are we have exchange programs. And I know you wanted to talk I did, about that. I did. Would you mind talking about the exchange programs, not only with yeah. Lund, but elsewhere? Yeah, so we have exchange programs where we offer our law students the opportunity to spend a semester with another school. Our most important exchange programs are with Lund University, so that's in Sweden, Heinrich Hein University, which is in Dusseldorf, Germany, and that's an interesting school because they do and focus on some of the same things that we do here at Suffolk. We have a very strong intellectual property program and international law programs, and so do they, and Dusseldorf is a really nice town. Mm -hmm. And then we have an exchange program with the university in Guadalajara in Mexico, and then we're part of a special consortium of schools called the North American Consortium on Legal Education. And that gives our students access to schools in Mexico and Canada, which is nice. It's essentially the North American countries, the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, the same countries that are members of that well-known trade agreement, the North American Free Trade Agreement. So there's a consortium of law schools, and there's only three in the United States that are members of that, and Suffolk is one of them. And so in that sense, our students have opportunities to go to other schools in either Mexico or Canada. Mm -hmm for a semester, and that's something that we think, so those exchange opportunities are yet another way to find experience or try to create new paths for a career in international law. We also have some wonderful moot court opportunities as well. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, one thing that really distinguishes Suffolk from a lot of other law schools is our extensive tradition and ability for students to participate on competitive moot teams. 
MOOC teams are teams where you're essentially handling a simulated case. And we have more MOOC teams in all sorts of different fields than most other law schools. We have a great tradition of producing trial lawyers, lawyers that are comfortable in being advocates in many different places and before many different types of tribunals, courts. We have three teams that focus on international law. The oldest international moot competition is called the Philip Jessup competition. It's as if you're a lawyer appearing before the International Court of Justice, the World Court as it's often called. So every year we send a Jessup team to New York to compete against other schools and if our team does well then it goes on to the international rounds which are usually held in Washington DC. We also have a different team called the Foreign Direct Investment International Moot Team. I founded a competition six years ago called the FDI Moot, the Foreign Direct Investment Moot. It is set up so that we have four schools that host this competition, one every other year, King's College London, University in Germany, and Suffolk, and then another American law school. And so every year that competition is hosted by one of these different schools. So last year Suffolk sent a team to London, to King's College, to compete in the FDI Moot. The FDI Moot has 40 teams from around the world that compete, and in that situation you're arguing on behalf of a country or on behalf of an investor. Usually the investor trying to bring a claim against the country, claiming for example that maybe their intellectual property or their property was expropriated. It's a wonderful experience and the teams literally are from around the world. So from Russia, India, South America, Australia. All of these teams come together and usually we send, for our Jessup team we have four members and for our FDI Moon team we have four members. One thing we did last year was we created an internal moot competition just among Suffolk students. It's an internal international law moot competition. Mm -hmm. So we have students that, while they're here, actually compete against other Suffolk law students on an international law topic. And that last year was the inaugural year, and a lot of students participated in it. And that goes hand in hand with some of our other internal moot competitions. So what students find from this is that it's another way of getting tremendous actual experience. You act as if you're a lawyer, you have a case, you have to argue against other lawyers, and it can sometimes be transformational. I've had students who never thought they would be great advocates go through one of my teams mm -hmm. and come out the other side and realize this was really tremendous and they found something out about themselves as well as learning a great deal about international law. So wow. that moot competition is a system. I'm an advisor to a number of those teams. I love it. It's one of the best things a student can do when they come to law school or when they come to Suffolk. Well, that's very cool. Thank you for talking about this with us today. And we also have a number of honor boards at the law school. We have yeah. one of our honor boards is the Transnational Law Review, yeah. which is a very nice academic recognition for students. Yeah, a lot of our students usually have to, at the end of their first year, think about joining one of our law reviews. We call them honor boards here. And there are different ways to become a member of a law review. It could be that you do really well scholastically, and then there are also the so-called write-on competitions. You write to join the staff. And one of our oldest and most well-known and sort of highest prestige law reviews is the Transnational Law Review. Suffolk's Transnational Law Review is the second oldest international law review in the country. Usually they have, I think, year to year, something like 15 to 20 students that are on the Transnational Law Review, and they do all sorts of things, everything from being editor-in-chief 
to being articles editors, notes editors. They usually run a couple of symposiums every year, symposia where they bring in different academics. Just last month, Transnational ran a symposia on ACTA, which is the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement. It's a trade agreement that isn't yet a new treaty, but is being discussed by countries. And we had academics from South Africa, from the United States, and we had a live Skype feed to an academic from Australia. I moderated that symposium, but Transnational is really involved in making outreach to lawyers and academics, running conferences, and producing the law journal itself. And now they're running that new internal moot that I mentioned to you. So it's a great way to get involved in international law. Again, even while you're a student, the Transnational Law Review has been with us a long time, and it's a wonderful experience for students. It's obviously something often when you ask employers what is it that they look to, they want to see that students are engaged while they're in law school, engaged in some of the law school activities. So having been on Transnational Law Review or one of the other law reviews, or having been on a MOOT team, these are all things, or and of course doing internships, those are all things that employers are looking at today as they think about who they might want to hire. Yeah. So these are important things. And one of those things is the International Law Society, which is another thing that Suffolk offers to our students. Yeah, we have a number of different student societies. We have the Student Bar Association, the SBA as we call it, is a large student organization. And in the international field, we have the International Law Society, which has a president and then usually a secretary and a vice. And it's one of the most popular law societies. And what they do is they run events throughout the year. They bring in career panels for students so you can make outreach either to Suffolk alums or other lawyers that are working in the international law field, and they bring them in and they'll have a career panel where they discuss how did they get their job, Mm -hmm. how did they get into the field of international law. They run other types of events that are just fun, but it's a nice way to get to know students and be part of Suffolk's community. One of the things we're really trying to do here is particularly true with the new dean, Mm -hmm. Neil Nelson, but definitely it's something that Suffolk, I think, has been always good at, is really creating a sense of community yes. for our students. Yeah, that's true. I think it's true, and I'm biased because I work here and I like it, but our students enjoy their time while they're at Suffolk. And because we have all these different opportunities in the international law field, when students come here and they say, I want to focus on international law, there are so many different groups in which they can become a part, and that's a way to make friends What's funny, and what I often tell my students, is sometimes your peers, the people that you go through law school with, become in the future possibly your clients or someone you might go to for a job. You never know. So getting involved in these kinds of activities can create that type of career path. I have had students that we have students now working for the International Chamber of Commerce in Paris. Mm -hmm. We have students in law firms in the United Kingdom, in London, and in other parts of the U.K., We have one of my students who wrote a thesis with me a few years ago. He wrote a thesis. That's a special paper that you can write while you're in law school. And if you're in the international law concentration, you can do a thesis. He wrote a thesis on the foreign investment laws in the United Arab Emirates, which is where Dubai is located. And based on that, I recommended him to a law firm in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And he went there, and he's been there ever since. And he just let me know that he's moved to intercontinental hotels as an in-house council working for the Asia, Southeast Asia sector. So he moved from the law firm to another job in the international field. But this is a guy who is from Massachusetts that said, I want to work overseas. I want to do something different. We have alums, grads in Shanghai, in Peru, 
in Mexico. I mean, one of the great things about Suffolk is we have an alumni base of over 20,000 alums around the world, and in, of course, the United States. You can pick any city in Europe. I have a former student who took my arbitration class who's now practicing arbitration in Geneva, Switzerland. We have folks who are involved in Brussels, where you have the European Commission and the European, on many of the governance organizations for the European Union. And of course, students placed in law firms across the country. And what you'll find today, no matter where you practice, whether you practiced in Boston or in some other part of the United States around the world, is that any lawyer today is going to find that increasingly part of their work is going to address international issues. It's because we're living in a globalized world where the economy is globalized. You have a client and it turns out that they're part of the supply of the goods they make is coming from another country. Then you're involved in international contracts. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you do, whether it's government or public sector, non-governmental organizations or private practice, I always tell my students that you can bet that now more than 20 years ago or 30 years ago, there's going to be a lot more in the world of international law issues that our lawyers have to deal with. Sure. And we have some tremendous ranking success recently in U.S. News. That was our final thing we wanted to talk about. Yeah. One of the things that really distinguishes Suffolk is we've been ranked in a number of our specialist areas over the last few years. Last year, our intellectual property group was highly ranked. This year, we're ninth in our legal writing program, which is something that all of our first-year students go through. So being ranked ninth in the country for a part of our core program for the first year is really quite an honor. Our clinical programs are ranked in the top 20, and that's important because a lot of students love to get, when you go through our clinical program and you decide, let's say you wanted to be in the immigration law clinic, you're actually going to be the lawyer. You might be appearing in administrative proceedings and you'll be representing real people. You'll be doing that with the help of our professors here at Suffolk. They'll be supporting you, they'll be teaching you, but you do the work. You are a lawyer even while you're still a student. So that's been ranked our ADR and dispute resolution programs. We're ranked 18th this year, so when I talk about our international moot teams and one of them focusing on international arbitration, that FDI moot, I think our rankings in the ADR and dispute resolution are being driven in that area. So being ranked in three or four areas as we have been the last two years, there are only a handful of schools in the country that have had three or four specialist rankings and they're usually the most elite schools. But that's the beauty of having a school like ours which is a large school but a school that gives so many opportunities to our students. Absolutely. Well that was a wonderful webcast and discussion. We're very grateful to Dean Gibson for his time so thank you. and. As part of this, we always do, we'd like to open up the floor to any questions, so please don't hesitate to type in any questions that you might have for Dean Gibson about international law, about Suffolk, about admissions. We'd certainly be happy to help, so please don't hesitate to do that. We actually have a question, thank you very much, about the internship program. During what year of study are these available, and roughly what percentage of students seeking international internship find one? Are any paid? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you for that. Yes. A lot of students, they can start right after their first year, and then, of course, it's really important that after your second year that you try to find a position that gives you some legal experience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our students, after their first year, go for that Lund summer program, and then in their second year they do an internship. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do both in the first year. As I said, you can go to the Lund and then use the remainder of your summer to do an internship. The internships are very diverse, and depending on the organization that you're placed with, you will either be paid or not, or be paid some form of stipend. 
One thing that I'm really pleased about is that Suffolk now is offering more of our own scholarships, funding for international internships. We have just this year received a new source of significant funding and that complements the funding we already have had so that when we send students to some of these international experiences, we often send them with some funding that helps them, let's say, pay for an air ticket, pay for the living expenses. That's an important element and it's particularly important if you said, I want to go work for an NGO, a non-governmental organization, or do some work on international human rights, because often those organizations are the ones that might not have as much of an ability to pay as a private sector placement. Sure. Thank you for that question. And as another question, is, I know that speaking two or more languages is always an asset, but is it a necessity for someone who wants to work in international law? <laughs> Good question. I get a lot of students that come and talk to me about their international careers. I'm one of the go-to people in the building. We have a number of other faculty members that also focus on international law, but I certainly love talking to students about how to get into the international law career field. I say, you know, students, you have to work with what you bring. And so if you have language skills, that can be incredibly important. It could be that you have background, that before you went to law school, you, maybe you, you focus, for example, the woman that is in China. I know that she had a lot of background in financial services before she went to law school. And so she went to a premier law firm, a U.S. law firm, but in their Shanghai office, mm -hmm. and they did a lot of corporate and commercial work, and they found that her financial background worked. The fellow that went to Dubai, he was from Massachusetts, and I can tell you he didn't speak Arabic. But he's been there now five years. He went to that law firm that I mentioned. He did very well there. And now Intercontinental Hotels has just hired him in-house. And I've been trying to send another Suffolk student to replace that guy at the law firm in Dubai. And in fact, in April, a student went down there for an interview. Because it is an international scope, there's a number of different things you can point to. But while you're here at Suffolk, you have to think about what will you do to distinguish yourself from other students when you think ahead to getting a job. Sometimes writing a paper in international law and then sharing that with the employer can be a helpful thing. So there's a number of ways in which students can be proactive, which is the word I often use. Mm -hmm. Just like anything today, you have to be proactive and start thinking, how am I going to design my time during Suffolk, what activities am I going to get involved in, what things can I do, what kind of connections can I make, that's all part of the picture. Absolutely, and our next question, are there opportunities to actually take language courses while at Suffolk? That's a good yeah. question. Yeah, I mean, one of the beauties of, being, of Suffolk being located, we're in a beautiful building right in the middle of Boston, right in the middle of Boston, in a nice part of the city, is that we are very close to those types of opportunities. We have our university, Suffolk University, which offers language classes, so you could possibly be taking classes in another one of the academic units of Suffolk University. We don't offer classes in the law school, but we do offer a special class we call the Legal English Institute for foreign students that want to come to Suffolk. So we have students that might come into our JD program or our LLM program, and they can come three weeks early mm -hmm. and take this class. Mm -hmm. It's for those students that have a foreign language as their native language, and they're trying to work in English. The other possibility is just that you have the opportunity to, there are so many different language institutes and classes around Boston. So if you want to take a class and be working, I have a student right now that's working on French. She wants to be going over to probably France, 
for personal reasons, and mm -hmm. so she spoke a little bit of French as an undergrad. So she's taken a class at an institute here in Boston, which is convenient because we're right in the middle of the city, working on her French language sure. skills, even while she thinks ahead to try to find a way to get over to France for a job. That's great. Next question. You mentioned Suffolk has an immigration clinic. Would that be offered under the international law program, or is it a different program in and of itself? When we think about our international law programming, we always are going to mention our immigration law clinic. But we have a clinical department, and we have in it, I think, seven or eight different clinics that focus on different subject matters. We have an intellectual property law clinic. We have one that focuses on family law and women's rights. We have a defender's clinic. All of these clinics are literally going to put students in the front line acting as lawyers in proceedings, in writing briefs, in doing all sorts of different things, always under supervision. We don't, you're not going to be out there alone. We're going to be there supporting you, and we have excellent faculty in our clinics. But to be involved in the immigration law clinic, you simply register. So at the appropriate time, and it wouldn't be in your first year, but in your second or third years, you would be showing an interest in getting involved in the immigration law clinic we have courses on immigration law as well, so you can be taking the course and then go to the clinic. We have a tremendous woman who runs that clinic, and the students love it. So it's part of our portfolio, our programming in international law, and so certainly we love to talk about it. You don't have to, let's say, for example, be in the international law concentration in order to take the immigration law clinic. You can do the immigration law clinic and sign up for it just like any student can. Sure. Next question is, what is the job placement percentage for students who graduate with a concentration in international law? I don't know. I know anecdotal information. I don't have the bottom line data on that. The anecdotal information I have is that sometimes students at Suffolk do very well by going out into the world. It's sort of funny. Of course, you know, Suffolk is really strong in placing our students in the northeast part of this country and then in other cities across the country. Chicago, San Francisco, New York, of course, which I would say part of the Northeast. Washington, D.C. is critical, and we have a new internship program that focuses on uh, summer in Washington, D.C. But then there's also that opportunity to go out to another part of the world and be distinctive, mm -hmm. and that sometimes works to the student's advantage. A J.D. is a well-respected degree, and so having a J.D., and possibly having some other, if you have cultural background or experiences. We have students here that are part of our JD program that come from a lot of different countries, obviously, around the world. Russia, China, Japan, and then American students. And as I said earlier in this talk, it's what you bring to the table and what you develop during your time at Suffolk that will allow you to go out and look for those jobs in different parts of the world. It's a big world. We have a student who was president of our International Law Society and ended up working for an NGO for the last three years in Sudan, and he was principally involved, if you followed what happened in the Sudan, the country split in half, he helped them draft their new constitution. The, the southern part of that country, Sudan is actually the largest country in, in Africa, not the most populated, but the biggest. And he helped the southern part that's breaking away draft a new constitution for that country. And as he did it, he involved some interns from Suffolk who were helping him working from Boston mm -hmm. to help him do that work. So how you do that, there are so many different paths to getting to that. It's not a straight path, but it's certainly the opportunities are there. And the world's population is growing and business is growing. And despite 
you know, the discussion and what's happened since 2008 with the economic and financial recession, you know, the projections are that the world is going to continue to grow and population is going to grow and these opportunities and the need for lawyers working in that international sphere is only going to go up, not sure. down. We have a couple more questions that have come in. Next question, are there any clinics with a focus on international criminal law? Yeah, that's an interesting question. We have a couple of things. We have a course that focuses on international criminal law, usually taught by Professor Jeff Pokrak, who's the director of our clinics. And then what we've been doing, and we've been very fortunate, that Suffolk has sent every year for the last two years students to the ICTY, the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. They usually, the students usually work for the prosecutors, or the judges, but normally it's the prosecutors. We have a Suffolk graduate that was one of the prosecutors, right. and we just had a student who was hired to a more permanent position there. Now that's a pretty unique type of opportunity, and so we're pleased that Suffolk has that kind of connection to the tribunal there. So there are a number of those types of opportunities. Facilitated by Professor Murphy. Yeah, Professor Russ Murphy. If you were to look at our course list, you'd see that there's a course on international law that focuses on criminal law taught by Professor Russ Murphy and in particular he often focuses on death penalty issues as well. That's an interesting question that came in that has to do with a student, a prospective student who works in the fight against human trafficking and the question is, is Suffolk addressing this issue via classes, clinics, or internships? The answer is yes and this year in particular we've had more activity than ever before in addressing issues of human trafficking. We have a couple of courses that are in the area of international human rights, and in particular one taught by Professor Kate Day. And then I think we have a group of students this year that have actually formed a new society to address that issue, and they've run a couple of programs here at the law school on this issue of trafficking. coming up, actually. Yeah, and there's another one coming up. So this is an area that we've had a couple of courses that have focused on this for a number of years, but there's been more attention this year. So it's kind of interesting that you asked that question because it seems as if this is, is an area that's getting increasing focus. There's an alum founded the BTAR. It's another That's right. The Boston Initiative to address issues in trafficking of humans. And obviously most of those types of issues often focus on issues in relation to women and the trafficking that's occurred, and so we have a number of people here that are really focused and interested in that issue and working on it. Yeah. Next question is, a candidate is interested in the LLM in global law and technology in the program curriculum. Would you be able to speak to that briefly? Sure. That's a wonderful program, and it's a program that complements very much what we do already in the area of intellectual property. As I said earlier, we were ranked last year in our intellectual property curriculum. It's one of the strongest areas we have. And this LLM focuses on technology and IP. And so we have a lot of courses. Students who take the LLM in Global Law and Technology take two fundamental courses. One, if it's a foreign student, is gonna take a course that introduces them to the US legal system. And the other one is called Emerging Issues in Technology and Transnational Business. And it's a wonderful course taught by Professor Mike Rustad, who has also taught a number of our intellectual property courses and our internet law courses in the past. So it's a really neat course. And with the focus in the economy today, obviously on issues of technology, intellectual property, and trade, which is something I focus on in some of my writing, it's a nice program. It focuses in an area which is 
consistent with where the economy is going globally and certainly in the Boston area where we have a vibrant high-tech sector. So focusing on issues of technology and IP, I tell all of my students in any of my classes that you should know what intellectual property means today. Whether you want to be a litigator or a commercial attorney or attorney that's involved in IP, so much of today's economy is founded on the value behind companies is, is based on intellectual property. When you think about Google, it's not based on how many buildings they own that makes them a very high-value business. Mm -hmm. It's their ideas, and that's that sort of new form of intangible property. That's their intellectual property. So intellectual property and technology is a really important thing, and that's what we do with our LLM degree. And you can take courses across the curriculum. For the last question here, and a student is asking, do you give students a working visa after graduation if they ask for it? I can say that we do have opportunities, whether you're an LLM student or a JD student, to do internships. Even with the visa issues, we are one of the unique law schools in the country that allows for internship type opportunities while you're a student. And I think there's a period after graduation, but I'm not positive of the answer to that. Sure. We'd have to get our director of graduate programs here and international programs here to answer that. Sure. I think that's one thing that makes us unique. I know that with our LLM, there are obviously blocks that can sometimes come up to an international student finding an actual internship opportunity. But I know we do this quite actively in Boston and placing our LLM students in Boston and in other parts of the world, of sure. course. For internships so that's something that we do and I know that we're distinctive we have some opportunities and a special status that allows us to offer internships that many many other law schools don't have but I can't remember what the name of that is off the top of my head well uh, again I'd like to thank Dean Gibson for his time today and thank you all for watching if you do have additional information that you would like us to help you with you're welcome to email me directly in the admissions office and my email address is I M-E-N-C-H-I-N at Suffolk.edu. I'm under the admissions staff page. I just appreciate having the opportunity to talk with you and seeing you all tune in. Suffolk is an exciting place to be at right now, and we're going in a great direction, and we have a huge amount of programs and activities for students here. So it's a good time, and certainly you're going to be able to find the types of courses, the types of experiential learning opportunities that will test you, that will expand your horizons. And Boston's a nice place, too. Thanks for tuning in. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.